Hey, it's Zach here, and super quick before we dive into the show. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you have subscribed to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter, because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'll even send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me slash newsletter. All right, on to today's episode. My name is Zach Arnold, and I'm a former Hollywood film and television editor turned career strategist and the creator of Optimize Yourself, where I help artists, creatives, and storytellers just like you design the more balanced, more sustainable, and more fulfilling creative career that you deserve. In a nutshell, I'm Tim Ferriss meets Ted Lasso, minus the mustache, because I am obsessed with both learning everything I can about optimizing human potential while also inspiring you to realize yours. If you are ready to step outside your comfort zone, let's dive right in and unlock the optimized version of you. Hello, and welcome to the Optimize Yourself podcast, where I share honest and candid conversations with best-selling authors, world-class athletes, Hollywood legends, elite experts in a variety of fields, as well as everyday people that are achieving extraordinary things. It means the world to me that with all the podcast choices out there, you have chosen to invest your valuable time, energy, and attention with me. Now, before we get started, don't forget to visit optimizeyourself.me slash podcast so you can subscribe, leave a review, and so you can also download your unique customized podcast playlist where I'm going to send you the five best expert interviews from our archives to help you achieve your specific goals. So on that note, without further ado, let's get right to today's guest. Have you ever had the nagging feeling that you were meant to be doing something different with your life? Maybe you feel as though you're capable of doing more and you're not living up to your full potential. Or maybe if you're already successful, the thought of being comfortable is beginning to feel like you are locked in a prison of your own creation. But as much as you want to break out, do you find yourself trapped by the limiting beliefs and the voices that are in your head telling you that you're just not good enough, you don't deserve it, or simply that you just can't? Well, in today's conversation, I have the pleasure and the privilege of introducing you to an amazing and a unique individual, Sandy Zimmerman, who is a physical education teacher, a speaker, a mother of three, a five-time American Ninja Warrior competitor, and she also happens to be the first mom in 11 seasons to hit an A&W buzzer. Given her chaotic upbringing going from one foster home to the next, often on welfare, On paper, Sandy is probably one of the least likely people to succeed at the level that she has. But when you hear about the struggles that she has endured and the limiting beliefs that she has overcome, you will realize that every challenge she has faced so far has perfectly led her to where she is today. As Ryan Holiday would probably say, the obstacles for Sandy are the way. Now, Sandy is no stranger to trauma, adversity, and loss. And in this very deep and very honest conversation, you are going to hear that even today, Sandy still battles the same voices, which she gave a name, by the way, and we're going to talk more about. And I even have the opportunity to put her on hot seat so I can help her not only identify what's holding her back right now, but also what comes next and even potentially how she can accomplish it. All right, without further ado, my conversation with teacher, mom, and American Ninja Warrior, Sandy Zimmerman. I think something that I have become very passionate about that I had no idea would come from American Ninja Warrior, I feel like my my purpose has kind of changed as I've grown. I think encouraging people to live free, free of fear, 
a failure, fear of so many things that we can fear of what people think, fear of what we have been through. Um, I think, man, if I could inspire people to live free, they would then be able to even tap into their potential and possibly reach our full potential, which I think none of us are even close to doing that. So if that's something someone can somehow take a little nugget away from this, uh, that would be, I think, at the top of my list um, when you ask that. Man, have I got good taste then, because you are in the right place. Oh, my goodness. Oh, good. Um, so on that note, I am super excited to get started and introduce today my guest, Sandy Zimmerman. So Sandy is a physical education teacher. She's a speaker. She's a mother of three. You are a five-time American Ninja Warrior competitor. And as I'm sure we will talk more about, the first mom to hit a buzzer. And you're also a former national judo champion. And you also played basketball at Gonzaga University. So Sandy, it has been a long road. I know for you, you got an email from me like, oh, somebody wants to do a podcast, I'll click on it. From my perspective, <laughs> it's been a long road to get you on the podcast. And man, am I happy to finally have you here today. Yeah, I am thrilled to be here and get to share a little bit about my story. Always a chance to help somebody else uh, reach their own big dreams in life. So this is an opportunity to do that. So I appreciate it. Well, I, uh, I actually just got off a, a conversation earlier today with Alex Weber. I don't know if you know Alex Weber or not. Um, Mr. Uh, crashing the course that's now running the, the courses himself. Uh, and the big topic of conversation was failure. So it was just basically two guys talking about all the failure that they've had in their life. Went super, super deep and super psychological. So as I warned you beforehand, if this is going to, if you were thinking this is going to be a fluff piece about the first mom that ever hit the buzzer, you're on the wrong show. Cause I want to dive deep into the dark depths of your past and psychology and really help people overcome some of the horrible voices and things that we say to ourselves about who we think we are and what we can't accomplish. And where I would really love to start is understanding a little bit more about your background, which I know for a long time was something that was really difficult for you to talk about and share. But at the end of the day, actually has a really big part in you becoming the successful person that you are. Yes, I was not the, uh, you know, two kids, white picket fence and a dog type of uh, childhood. Uh, it was hard and it was rough. And um, you know, if anybody's familiar with the ACEs, there are 10 adverse childhood experiences that people can have. And I literally have all 10 of them, the, you know, physical abuse, sexual abuse, verbal abuse, the neglect, the having parents with mental health issues and incarcerated, I mean, it could go on and on and on. And um, really the odds of someone like me making it are pretty slim to none. But I think in thinking about that and, and wondering, gosh, how did I make it through? And why am I here today? You know, it was all these teachers and these coaches and these people uh, that I connected with that changed my conversation in my head. And I think that is the biggest part of why I've been able to do so many of the things that I've been able to do, because I'm sure most kids that grow up like I do um, go down a very, very different path, a very dark path. And um, it so starts, I think, with those conversations. and. It, for me, started with different trusting, caring, 
adults that loved me and saw potential in me that helped me really change the way that I was thinking and the conversations that I was having in my head. So then let's start with, before we get to how the conversations changed, how that happened in the direction that you went forwards, let's talk about when you were having really nasty conversations with yourself. We don't have to go any deep into anything personal as far as the experiences that you've been through, because I'm sure a lot of it is traumatic and we don't have to dig that up. But what I'm curious about is you can pick a point in your life, whether it's when you were seven or 14, whatever you th- it kind of clicks the most, but you're thinking, when did I have the the worst negative self-talk about telling myself who I was and what I thought I would become? What kind of comes to the top of your mind? Oh, um, I think if I'm being completely honest, I think those conversations come and go and they came and gone as a child, but also as an adult. I mean, I could even look back over the last week and think, man, there are still times when I have definitely not mastered that. And there are times where that doubt comes in um, or the fears come in. And I think I've done a better job recognizing it, but I think it will honestly always be something that I deal with and I struggle with. And I try to keep myself into thinking those more positive thoughts. You know, I think when as a child, you don't have that trust and that love, I think you become very cynical. And I think that's one of the, um, voices that I fight is that scared, timid little girl, um, you know, that grew up poor and on welfare, uh, that spent time in the foster care system and just didn't have someone to protect her and didn't have someone there to watch over her. Like kids should be, all kids should be loved, loved deeply. And, um, I didn't have that, but I did have some other people that came in and, uh, just changed kind of the narrative. I think it will be baggage and scars that I will carry with me forever. And it comes and goes. And I will say just this week, there have been times where I have those thoughts and those conversations and little Sandy pops into my head. And and I have to, you know, remind that the now Sandy, the confident Sandy is going to ride and going to drive this car. And it's no longer going to be little Sandy who is scared and timid and shy. And it's a constant thing, though. And I will always be a work in progress, but I do think I'm at least getting better at it. (laughs) I would say you're definitely getting better at it. I don't know if it's something you ever master, but given what you've accomplished, there's a lot that you need to overcome, not just physically, but mentally. Uh, And I think that that's one of the biggest lessons that I've had in my own journey for American Ninja Warrior, which we can get into uh, a little bit later, because I think it hopefully somewhat mirrors yours. I'm in a much earlier stage of my journey, but my hope is that, you know, three, four years from now, I can be one of the first moms to hit the buzzer too. Um, (laughs) One of of my goals. Um, But what I love is that you've identified the voice. This is actually something I talked about with Alex Weber as well, Um, because the journey that I'm on personally, and basically the podcast has just been my own version of free therapy. I just get a bunch of people on the show and I talk about all my problems and I get the experts to tell me how to fix them. And my journey since running my rookie season, this is my rookie season on the show, um, was understanding what's the mental game that I haven't learned how to play. Because I spent several years now um, going from being very overweight and out of shape and deciding I wanted to do this 
this and learning how to do pull-ups and, you know, doing laches, all these things I'd never done before. But it wasn't until I was on the course that I realized, whoa, this is all a mental game. There's very little of this is as physical that I, that I have not mastered or even really begun to understand how to even approach yet. And one of the things that Alex uh, taught me right during the show was that you need a name for both the negative self-talk and that voice and for the positive one. And I love that you're already saying, little Sandy, she's saying these things to me, but you're identifying it as if it's an external voice. You're not owning it as your own. I'm curious, at what point did you start identifying, you know what? That's another voice and that's not me and I'm going to name it. Like, is that something that's happened since Ninja Warrior? Is it something that you've been doing for 30 years? Like, at what point did you separate yourself from the voices and realize, yeah, I, I hear it, but I don't need to listen? I, uh, hard to pinpoint, but I will say um, for some crazy reason, uh, when I started American Ninja Warrior, I didn't know it, but I had a whole lot of like therapy I should have gotten. And somehow American Ninja Warrior became that therapy. And I think it was as I got a little deeper into it and just started to build uh, confidence and courage and just being brave, I got to a point, um, I think, where I started to recognize it because I knew some of it I was like, that can't be right. That, that just can't be right. And I think when you do things that are kind of scary and, you know, I could literally fail and I have in front of millions of people and something magical happens though, when you're willing to do that. And I, it was growing like crazy. I mean, I never got therapy as a child and I really think I should have, and it would have really helped, but it may have taken years and years and years and something about doing something so out of your comfort zone, something that is so risky, like American Ninja Warrior, because even the best of the best, they fall. They fall on the first obstacle. I've seen it. I was growing by leaps and bounds. And I think as I started to go into it more and more, and this was before I hit a buzzer, it was that, I think it was probably, it must've been my third season in. And I had not only failed twice, terribly, second obstacle, and was I was just really humiliated. Um, and just question like why why would I feel so compelled to do something and just continually fail and I was I was mad I, <laughs> I was really mad and I just thought God universe why would you put it on my heart to do this if all I'm going to do is fail but I just couldn't shake it I just couldn't shake it and then I could see the growth that I was having and I just thought if this is how it goes this is how it goes and it was uh, some dark times but then it got even darker. And um, the third season that I was going to be on, um, I got hurt really bad. I mean, my knee absolutely exploded. And the doctor said he'd never seen anything like that except for in a car wreck. And I wasn't even doing a big move. It was just a little drop from like two feet onto a big pad, nothing. And he said it was just the perfect storm. It, it just really blew up your knee. And uh, it required two separate surgeries. One of the darkest days that I'd been through. And what was so awful is having surgery. And normally you just think, okay, now I'm going to get better. I've had the surgery. I've hit rock bottom. Each day will get a little better. Well, this one was hit rock bottom. And then after about, I think it was three months, we're going to go back in and make you hit rock bottom even further again and do it all over. So I was not in a good place at that point. And again, wondering why am I doing this? I failed. I failed. And now I've gotten hurt. Um, and it was one of those moments when you're like, 
Lord, I can only take so much. A person can only take so much. And then I tore a ligament my thumb when I finally got back. And I just thought, what am I doing? Like, hang it up. But I couldn't shake this feeling. And I'm telling you, I think we have such these gut feelings, these instincts, this intuition. Follow it, even if it seems crazy and nuts. And I couldn't shake it. And I thought, well, I'm putting the ninja shoes back on. And I can't believe this, but I'm going to keep at it. Because I just have this overwhelming feeling. This is where I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be doing. Despite all this awful stuff that has happened along the way, I have grown. And I think it was at that darkest time that as I got through that and I thought, man, I really am a badass. I've been through a lot in life. Now I've been through all this and I'm still going to pursue this dream. And I think it was as I started to grow from that, it was recognizing that many of my thoughts were me as a like six-year-old. And I was terrified and I was scared at that point and nothing felt safe and nothing, you know, was, there was no, no, nothing in my life was, could be counted on and no one could be counted on to be safe. And I was, it was just such an awful time and a traumatic time. And I think I started to recognize at that point, like, wait, let's, let's think about these conversations that I'm having. Are they coming from that place? And at that time, I needed that six-year-old Sandy. She kept me safe. And I, it's why I'm here today. She was cynical. She didn't trust people. And she always, I mean, you talk sleeping with one eye open. That's what it felt like. And she was on edge trying to read people. Are they safe? Is this situation safe? Um, just trying to sometimes blend in and not be noticed. And then all of a sudden here I'm, I'm doing American Ninja Warrior. And I have not done anything on the show yet but I knew that I had a story to tell. And I knew that I had to listen to that confident Sandy that was willing to tell the story. And I remember years ago, this conversation with myself, when I felt this nudge, like Sandy, share your story. And I remember thinking, hell no, I don't want to share my story. It's sad. And then I hear that every once in a while, that voice. So Sandy, share your story. I think I don't want to share my story. It's painful. It hurts. It's so terrible, but I just, I listened to that voice for probably 30 years and it wasn't until I started American Ninja Warrior that I actually paused long enough to hear that voice say, Sandy, share your story. But then the second part is the cool part is where I waited long enough to actually consider sharing my story. And the other part was, but it has a happy end. And I thought that's the healthy me. That's the me that's willing to share this story and not carry it around like a dirty secret. This is my story. These are things that happen to me, but if they can make a difference in another person's life, if they can possibly dream their own big dream and tap into their full potential, I got to do it. Like that is such a driving force in my life now. Um, you, you know, you, people talk about their why and their purpose. Man, if I can help somebody else learn from everything that I've learned, oh, I mean, I just, I could go on and on. Well, one of the reasons that uh, I think your story really resonates with me, and there's a lot of things I want to dig into even deeper, um, but you pretty much, even before we started the show, encapsulated the entire reason that my heart beats and I'm on this earth. I had this conversation with a previous guest of mine where similar to me, um, we both, like, if you were to look at our resume or somebody asked us what we did, it's like a list of 15 things. Podcaster, coach, American Ninja Warrior, film editor, film producer, like documentary director, like a whole list of things. But if, 
it didn't completely confuse and confound people. If I were having a, like, if I were going to greet somebody like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. What do you do? My response would be, what I do is I inspire people to step outside their comfort zones so they can feel empowered to reach their potential. Oh. No, no, I meant, I meant, I meant, what do you do for a living? Like what? But that's how I would answer. And you said almost word for word, the same thing. Wow. So I totally understand where you're coming from. And I think that it's already going to answer this next question. Um, <laughs> but in case it does, and I want to go into this a little bit deeper, I want to go to this moment where you're at your second surgery. You've had two not so good years on American Ninja Warrior, which by the way, they don't tell you all that stuff on the show. It's just, oh, hey, <laughs> no. everybody, here's Sandy Zimmerman. Oh, she's the first mom. And you're like, that's amazing. And then I started doing research. I'm like, wait, you've been on the show three times and you failed? Oh, I like you even more now. <laughs> but the difference here, and I think that the, even if somebody listening has no interest in American Ninja Warrior or sports or anything else, the key here is that you're in a really dark place. And I would guess that a lot of people were saying, you're done, right? Like, this is it. Like, I'm, I'm assuming this means it's the end of American Ninja Warrior, but there was a deeper why that kept nagging at you and saying, nope, my gut's saying there's some reason I need to keep doing this. And there's two ways it can go. You can call yourself a failure because you gave up and you stopped or what happened to you. And this is what I love so much about this is it's in your own words, you said, yeah, but this is just one of the early chapters in the story. But how do you keep going when you don't know for sure that it's one of the early chapters in the story and everybody's saying, okay, we're, we're done. That was fun, right? But we're going back to normal. You know, even before I started American Enjoyer, there were people that honestly thought it was crazy. And so I, I really didn't share that big dream and goal with very many people because I wanted it. When you want a dream to happen, you don't bring it to the negative Nancys of the world. <laughs> you know, you be, bring it to the people who are also big dreamers and that will help and support you in this. And so, um, but even from the beginning, there were people like, really, at your age or really as a woman, you really, as a mom and, you know, all of those thoughts. But uh, it's true when you have something so deeply ingrained in you that you just feel like, you know, this is what I'm meant to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. And I just have to do it. And yes, there were many times when I wondered, there's many times when I was mad, um, but I couldn't shake it. And I think, you know, I look back on my childhood and everything that I've been through in life, not just my childhood. I mean, for some reason, I've just had ups and downs, but what's amazing about ups and downs though, is looking back at them. I am so damn proud of some of the stuff that I've gotten through. I look back and it's like, look at some of the crap that's happened to your life. If you want to have gratitude, go look at some of the crap that's happened to your life because you can look back and go, wow, I got through that. And this sense of pride. And it's funny, you had mentioned, you know, they, they talk about hitting the buzzer and how incredible that is. And I agree, couldn't agree with you more. That is not the best part of the story. But that's what gets on TV, right? It's a, it's a show. They can only give you so much airtime. But I remember being asked that when you actually have time to talk, I think it was on Kelly Clarkson. She'd asked me, but I also think it might've got edited on that too. Of like, Oh, you know, what did it feel like hitting the buzzer? Like, I thought, I don't know if you really want to hear my answer because the buzzer was incredible and it was amazing and I love it. And it's fun. I want to hit lots of buzzers, but really the incredible part of the story that doesn't get shared is that five-year journey to the buzzer. And how proud I am that I didn't give up. Multiple times, it would have been so easy to go, 
hello, this is not working out. I need to give up on this. But as I got deeper into it, because initially I think it was just like, oh, this is fun. I think I could do this. But as I got deeper into it, I thought, holy cow, this is a platform. And if I had hit the buzzer my first season, I wasn't in a place healthy enough where I would have shared my story. I just, I would have hit a buzzer. It would have been cool, but it never would have had the impact that it's had now. Five years down the road and five years of growth, the timing is just unbelievable. Because at that point, when I hit the buzzer, that was when I first got to the point when I was like, I am going to share my story now. It needs to be heard and it's going to make a huge difference and a huge impact. So had I hit the buzzer seasons, one, two or three, nothing would have happened. It would have just, I would have hit a buzzer and it would have been a cool story, but it wouldn't have had the impact that I've had. So I look back on that. I'm like, now, thank God I didn't hit a buzzer season one, two or three. And that the timing was at a point where I was finally healthy enough to share my story. And then it was like, I got this huge gift and this platform to share my story, you know, and on the show, they share what they can share and it's a show and it's, there's airtime, but getting to do podcasts like this, where you can really dive in and take the time to hear someone's story or different interviews that I've been able to do. Um, So timing is huge. And when I feel such a compelled passion for helping other people live full life, because I feel like I was living a good life, but not a great life. I didn't know it though. I had no idea at the time, Zach, that I wasn't living a great life. But now I look back on that and I am not the same Sandy I was seven, six, seven years ago when I started this. I am, I look at pictures and I just am blown away. I'm like, that is not the same person that I look at the mirror and I see today. Completely transformed. Who would have thought doing some obstacles could ever do something like that? My sincerest apologies for the interruption, but if you're a creative professional who spends long hours at your workstation, not only is the following promo not an interruption, but listening has the potential to change your life. Because working with a topo mat underneath you at a height adjustable workstation is a game changer. Let's learn a little bit more from Ergo Driven co-founder and CEO, Kit Perkins, creator of the topo mat. The topo mat is the first anti-fatigue mat designed specifically for standing desks. The real benefit of a standing desk is movement. We found bringing in this cushioned terrain under your feet, your brain just subconsciously engages and you wander around and you get that movement at the standing desk that you need without even having to think about it at all. People will come to me at an event or a panel and they'll say, I got the topo mat because of you. Even when they had a mat, once they used this one, it was a total game changer. We've just heard time and time again that with topo, we've kind of hit the sweet spot that it's the right premium quality materials and a right shape that people are actually getting benefit out of this stuff. You spend more time here than anywhere if you do creative work the way that I do. So I would rather be driving around in a Ferrari than a Ford Pinto. And I feel like this is the Ferrari of the standing mat. One of the things you don't realize is that at a standing desk, your main interface to the world, your body's main interface to the world is the ground. If you're going to invest in anything at that Ferrari level, it should be what you're standing on. Well, my goal is that for anybody that is a creative professional like myself, that's stuck in front of a computer for inordinate amounts of time of their waking life. They're doing it standing on a topo mat. So uh, you and I, my friend, one edit station at a time are going to change the world. I like it. That's a utopian vision I can get on board with. If you're a creative professional looking for a simple and affordable way to stay active, energetic, and focused while spending long hours at your height adjustable workstation, I can't stress enough how important it is 
to have the right mat underneath you, which is why I continue to share the Topo Mat as my number one product recommendation. To learn more about the Topo Mat and purchase yours, visit optimizeyourself.me slash Topo. That's T-O-P-O. And it really has nothing to do with the six pack abs versus the no six pack abs, <laughs> the being toned. And let's just, let's be very clear. You got a pretty cut set of abs, but when you say looking at the transformation, it's a different person. My guess is it's the look you see in your eyes. It's the person that you know is behind that look is completely different. And that's really the part that I've loved, loved talking about is the psychology of who we believe we are versus who we can be, what our potential is, what are the things that we're talking about to ourselves and all these negative voices. And I've shared this story uh, before and I'll just kind of briefly go through it again. But for me, realizing that this was something I wanted to do, that was when my life changed. Not because I've been training for four years now and I get to work out with Tony Horton and I've now been in one of his workout programs and what, all that's great. But it was the moment I decided to go after the goal, that was when my life shifted because my perspective shifted. And when I first started watching American Ninja Warrior, going back to you talking about the buzzer, um, I had a whole bunch of people just because I've always done like obstacle course races and I've always kind of been known to be the person that tries crazy stuff. I kept getting email after email from either friends or people that were listening to the podcast. Hey, dude, you should totally do American Ninja Warrior. I'm like, I don't know what that is. Is that like a show or a competition? Like, what is it? Didn't even know. So I didn't, wasn't introduced to it until like season seven. And I started watching it. And I'm like, why is everybody crying when they hit the buzzer? Like, it's cool. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but you know, it was a couple of minutes and, you know, they're a gymnast or they're a parkour person. It's cool. But like, what's with all the emotion? I don't get it. And as I started to train, I was like, Oh, oh, now I get it. Because what, what we see on TV is maybe two minutes, three minutes, two minutes, minute and a half, depending on the time. But what we never see, and has, I'm not saying this just for Ninja Warrior, but for anybody that's on the outside looking in on somebody you admire where you want to look at the goals, all you see is the result. Somebody won the Oscar. Somebody hit the buzzer. That's awesome. But they're not seeing how much time and effort and dedication and sacrifice went into it. So now when somebody hits a buzzer, I'm like, oh, I totally know where the tears are coming from because it's so hard just to have the skill level to be able to compete at all. And then to have both the physical and the mental side figured out enough that you can consistently focus from the starting line to the buzzer. I mean, it's nearly impossible. Like statistically, it's nearly impossible to get to that buzzer. And knowing what it takes to get there, now that I'm making the, the attempt myself, I cry when people hit the buzzer because I'm like, <laughs> yep, I get it. I feel the struggle. Yeah, it's a it's a funny sport in um, it is such a fine line between success and failure and going out early and hitting a buzzer. I mean, it is such a fine line. And so I think once you've done this sport, you just get it. You just understand. And we've all been there that, yep. I've gone out on the first obstacle and in a course, whether it's on the show or in a competition, um, and I've been able to finish. And so I think part of the reason uh, there is such highs and lows in this sport is part of the reason uh, people grow a lot, though, and also part of the reason why we are all so close. <laughs> it's almost like we're going into battle together and it really bonds people and we really get it. And that was one of the things that drew me to it more than anything, because it's not like I was going to watch Wipeout and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that, too. Like, it's almost the same thing when people explained it to me when I said, what's American Ninja Warrior? And like, oh, it's kind of like that Wipeout show. And then I saw them I'm like, 
it's nothing like it. But no. on the surface, <laughs> they're not that much different. But as far as community, as far as the level of skill, there's so many things about Ninja Warrior that drew me to it. But I think my favorite was that despite the fact that it's technically a competition, everybody's helping everybody else and it becomes an internal competition with yourself. That to me is what was so fascinating. And I said, no matter what it takes, I got to figure out a way to become a part of that community. Because when you surround yourself with the right people, just through osmosis, you become more like them. And that can either be a bad thing or it can be a good thing. So just thrusting myself into this world when I was completely not ready and spoiler alert, still don't feel like I'm ready, <laughs> but just being around these people has totally changed my life. Despite the fact that the outcome so far, like I'm in the early chapters where I'm hoping in a few years, I can be like, yep, I was a massive failure when I started, but that's the <laughs> chapter I'm living that I'm working to, to get through right now. Similar to where you were in yeah. season one. Well, can I just go on record of calling it right now that this is going to happen for you and you're going to hit a buzzer? You're too... I get the I get the sense, and I don't know you really well, Zach, but I get the sense that you're not one to let something go once you set a goal. So I no. have a feeling the crazy obsessed that I felt when I set that goal. I have a feeling that you can relate to crazy obsessed, and oh, that yes. it will happen. <laughs> yes, I, I have a tattoo on the inside of my forehead that reads "crazy obsessed." Just 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 <laughs> ask my wife or my family about that. They'd be like, "You pretty much figured them out in about thirty minutes." Oh, um, I am relentless. <laughs> relentless when I decide I want to do something. So the, one of the first questions that I got from my wife and family and anybody else that knew what happened, they're like, so we're done, right? Like done with what? <laughs> like with it. So the American Ninja Warrior thing, I'm like, I'm not done. Are you kidding? Heck no. Like I, I have to change my approach and there are things to learn. And I had a period where for a month or two, I was like, I just, I, I just don't feel like training. I just kind of want to get it out of my system. And what happens a lot with me and I've taught my students this as well is that if something happens that doesn't go your way, whether it's with relationships or a job or whatever, we try to just deflect it. Um, it's, I'm okay. It's not that big of a deal, right? I'm the opposite. I just get it out of my system. And I was just <laughs> grumpy and mad. I'm like, this happened. I'm pissed. I put in so much work, but I knew I just need to get it out. And then I woke up one morning. I'm like, all right, training for next year. And then that's it. Right. Yeah. But, and I'm sure you've been through that too, where it's like, you say I had dark times and I don't want to go through this, but again, it's that nagging feeling. There's something else there and I can't quit. Yeah. You know, it's, I think that we must be cut from the same tree. My first season, I literally, I thought I'm really strong and I was really strong, but I had no technique. And I was so naive and I thought, I'm going to go hit a buzzer my first season. And so I went out on the second obstacle and it was embarrassing and I was mad. Um, I was just so mad. I thought, oh, this is humiliating. And we went back to uh, the hotel that we were staying in. And um, I literally, I was like, Charlie, that's my husband. I said, take, can you take the kids and just go somewhere? And so I think they ended up going to zoo or something. And I just had to cry. I literally just cried and it was a sad cry and it was a pissed off cry. And it was just like, I had to cry. And then the next morning I got up, I Googled where the closest parks were and we went to the parks and I did like, I was like, I'm training for next season. This is the beginning of my comeback. And I'm like, you know, doing stuff on the, on the bars and the benches that are like a ninja like, and I'm like, yeah, I just, I needed to feel sorry for myself for a night. And I did. And I got it all out and I was like even more determined. And I thought, okay, that's not how my story is going to end. And I remember thinking that a lot during some of the failure. And then during the times when I got hurt, I was like, that is not how my American Ninja Warrior is going to end. 
And I just was so crazy determined that it was going to end how I wanted it to end. And, um, you know, the buzzer was the beginning. I also said I have some other really big dreams and goals that I'm still pursuing on the show, but I will determine how that ends. And I, I think I want that power in my hands. And but I don't have a timeline. And I think that's the biggest thing uh, when people have these big dreams and goals. It's like, I don't have a timeline as far as, I don't know how long it's going to take me, but I am crazy enough to stick with it long enough to have that happen. And most people are like, I want it to happen next. You know, a lot of people actually, it's like, I want it to happen tomorrow or next week or next month or next year, if you're really lucky. And I'm like, I don't know. Well, you know, I'm going to give it everything I got. And this is my goal. And I'm not sure how long it's going to take to get there. But I can't shake the feeling that this is what I'm supposed to do. And I'm going to keep chasing after it. Well, at the end of the day, and uh, science has even proven this, that the most successful people are simply the ones that stuck around longer and were willing to fail more than everybody else. That's really the only difference. There are going to be a few anomalies that are crazy physically talented that have never even been on the course and they hit a buzzer. And you're like, oh, that's great. I hate you. Right. Yes. But, but other <laughs> yes. than that, for the most part, anybody successful in any field or industry, it's because they just failed longer and more consistently than everybody else. Right. And as far as hitting a buzzer or whatever the goal might be, in my mind, there's two ways that it doesn't happen. Number one, I die. And number two, I choose to quit. I have control over one. I don't have control over the other. So I'm going to focus on the one I can control, which is I can choose to quit and I choose not to. It's, it's really that simple. So unless there's some physical reason that I can't do it, I will keep going. And I'm sure you're the same way, which is one of the reasons I love this sport so much. And the reason it gravitated to me is that if I had watched an NBA game, I couldn't have said, I think I want to play for the Lakers. I'm going to, I'm going to try, I'm going to go for the Lakers, right? It's just not going to happen. But you watch American Ninja Warrior and you see somebody that's like 70 years old, get through two or three obstacles. And you're like, that's my excuse. I don't really have one, right? So and you see people that are going through with one leg. What's my excuse again? Oh yeah, never mind. Um, so that, that to me, that's a big part about why the the sport is so interesting to me. And it's really not even about the physical part of it. It's all of the manifestations and the fears you have to confront because of how insurmountable it feels and how much it teaches you about yourself. And that's kind of where I want to go next. There's something that fascinates me about people that deal with a lot of adversity. And the first time this came up for me, it actually relates to a documentary feature film that I directed and produced several years ago. It was about the first quadriplegic to become a licensed scuba diver. And what fascinated me about him, he was actually a good friend of mine and I knew him personally, but had no use of his arms or his legs. And he was came from a very well-to-do family, born into a family that had decent means, never really wanted for anything. And what fascinated me was he had every excuse to do absolutely nothing with his life, mm -hmm. right? Like he's, he's been, been given this, this uh, hand of cards that nobody would want to be dealt to them. But because of it, nobody would look down upon him if he chose to do nothing with his life. Oh, that really sucks that you can't use your arms and your legs, but good thing your family has money and you can do whatever you want with it, right? But what fascinated me was that he decided, despite that, I'm going to just go after the scariest things, like becoming the first quadriplegic to be a licensed scuba diver. Like, just imagine, I can't use any of my limbs. You know what? Throw a bunch of weight on my back and throw me in the ocean. No, thanks. Not going to do it. Right. Uh, he was he also got a, a degree in law 
And just imagine the thought of going to law school, but somebody has to take notes for you, highlight things and turn the pages and all the books, right? And I thought to myself, that was a choice. He had every reason for people to never blame him for not amounting to anything, and he chose otherwise. And I feel like in your situation and similar situations, for people to go through intense trauma, nobody would blame you. If you decided, well, I was a foster kid and I had no opportunities and I grew up really, really poor and well, you know, I'm just, I'm living on welfare now because that's the way that things worked out. But you made a choice to not become that. And when people go through adversity, I always wonder, where does that choice come from? When you decide, I don't want to be what I could be and nobody would blame me for because what's happened to me, why did you choose to take responsibility for it and become something else? Hmm. As you're asking that, um, it makes me think of a story that happened uh, to me in fifth grade. My teacher's name was Mr. Smith. I really should find him and thank him um, because he made a huge impact in my life. Uh, even though if you can imagine he was, I think probably I would guess that if you imagine a teacher a year or two away from retirement, old and grumpy. And that was Mr. Smith at the time. And I never would have guessed that someone like that would have a huge impact. And at the time, I honestly had no idea what this um, little encounter that we had that fifth grade year would have. But now in reflecting and looking back, I'm like, that changed my whole way of looking at my life and my circumstances. As you can imagine, um, I got into trouble a lot in elementary school. I just couldn't sit still. The focus wasn't there. School was hard for me. Uh, neither of my parents could read and write very well, so I had zero help at home. Um, no memories of having books read to me, which is every kid's, you know, should have that memory. But I just struggled in school, and um, and then so I think I got into trouble a lot. And I remember uh, many times I would have to sit in at recess, and Mr. Smith uh, would have me sit at my desk. I was the only kid in the classroom, and he made me stare at the clock. And I would just stare at the clock as they painfully every second would tick by. And I would stare at the clock. I could hear the kids out at recess playing and laughing and having fun. And I'd be staring at that clock. And here I am just another time in trouble staring at the clock. And, and he came over. Um, and I think what was so different about Mr. Spence than everybody else in my life is that I think a lot of people knew that I had a pretty crappy life. You know, they knew about the foster care. They knew about being poor. And honestly, I think most people felt really sorry for me, except for Mr. Spence. He didn't. And um, I remember him uh, coming up to me that recess. And he says to me, um, you know, I know you've had a tough life, but at some point you got to make a decision on what you want to do with it. And, you know, I'm thinking, God, what a jerk at the time. But as you kind of think about that, I thought, I remember like long later thinking, well, maybe he's right. Maybe I can make the life that I want. What do I want to do with my life? I have some things I am really good at. Athletic things came natural. I mean, my PE class was the only part of the day that wasn't a struggle. Uh, recess and lunch, my three favorite things. I think I just started, it started a thought process of maybe things could be different. Maybe I didn't have to make the same choices that my parents were making. Maybe I didn't have to make the same choices that some of my siblings were making. You know, maybe I could change my family tree. Maybe I could make something of my life. 
And I think I held on to that hope. And I think getting into sports, you're around that positivity. You're around those other role models and those influences. And most of the time, those sporting influences of coaches and players, they all have big dreams. So what do you do? Well, you want to dream big too. But I think having um, that moment with Mr. Spence and having someone that didn't feel sorry for me, that didn't lower the bar, that they said, you know what? Doesn't matter. Keep the bar high. Make your life something. Do something with it. Don't lower the bar because you feel sorry for somebody. And so I think that was really impactful. And I think the older I get, the more I realize that was such a big moment. Um, And the more I think about it, um, and even trying to do it in my own life. I don't want to lower the bar from anybody because they've been through some crap. Put it high. Put it high and go for those big dreams and goals, the impossible ones. Everybody wants this really super comfortable goal, right? Oh, that's so doable. Like we used to teach smart goals, you know, that they're realistic goals. Oh my God. Don't get me started on smart goals. Oh dear Lord. I've actually created a new, you're, you're, this is where you and I (laughs) might discover that we were separated at birth. (laughs) I have an entire online course where I teach the opposite of smart goals and they're called stupid goals. (laughs) Create stupid, crazy goals because smart goals are boring. Yes. And they're easy and stop setting smart goals. You want to reach some goal on a quarterly report as a middle manager, set a smart goal. You want to do something with your life that actually has meaning, set a stupid goal. So <laughs> my God, it. you and I are on the same page. I love it. Yeah. Well, what, I, what I'm curious about now, and I'm really not curious because I already know the answer, um, but given this experience with this teacher in fifth grade and given that your favorite classes were recess and lunch in PE, Tell me a little bit more about what you do for a living. I have spent almost 10 years now raving about how much I love my topo mat. And I have finally discovered what I now consider the topo mat of desk chairs, the Core 360. The Core 360, spelled Q-O-R, is designed to keep me constantly moving while seated in an upright and balanced position. To learn more about how it works, let's hear from Core 360 founder, Dr. Turner Osler, about why he created the Core 360 active sitting chair. When you sit badly, you sit badly for many hours a day. And that's really what the problem is. It's very hard to make yourself get up and do jumping jacks every half hour. But if you just swap to a chair that requires you to be muscularly engaged in order not to fall off, it's an easy bar to clear. For the procrastinators out there who hear all the statistics and know how bad sitting is and it's the new smoking and they're thinking, that's something I'll worry about in a few decades, you're gonna feel the effects of having more energy at two o'clock in the afternoon or four o'clock in the afternoon that day. And that's the whole point. Your core muscles will be stronger. You'll have less back pain. All of this will make you more available for the rest of the pursuits of your life, your kids, your hobbies, your whatever. those of us who need to practically live in front of computers to do our best creative work, the Core 360 is going to level up your game. Keep your body moving and keep the creativity flowing. To learn more and purchase what I consider to be the topo mat of desk chairs, please go to optimizeyourself.me slash core360. That's optimizeyourself.me slash QOR360. Well, you know, I. Even uh, even though I didn't really understand it in college, I knew that I wanted to do something that where I could have an influence in lives and impact lives like my coaches and my teachers did to me. And I kind of fought it a little bit because I, I remember in college, 
just thinking, I don't want to be the typical college athlete, you know, oh, we go in to teach PE. And so I actually really fought that my first couple of years. And I thought I'm doing my undergrad, I'll figure out what I want to do. And again, that nagging feeling of this is something you are going to be so good at, and you're going to be able to impact lives, you're going to be able to make a difference. And so I've been a teacher for over 20 years. Um, but Zach, I will tell you something crazy. I don't I don't know, maybe we'll have another conversation in five years. Um, but part of me feels like I, as crazy as it sounds, because I've been doing it for 22 years. And finally, at this point, you start to make a decent <laughs> living wage as a teacher. Most um, of my family is teachers. I come from a oh. long line of teachers. My wife is a third <laughs> okay. grade teacher. My sister's a teacher. My dad is a teacher. So I know it all you too well, it. but continue. Oh, yes. Yeah, so you get it. Um, and I know it sounds so crazy when I think about this, but again, those feelings, as much as I love teaching, and I still do love it today, I feel like there's something else I'm supposed to do. And I don't know what it is. And I think... My wheels are turning because it just, part of me, it doesn't make sense. I'm doing a job I love. I'm making a difference in these kids' lives. I'm investing in their lives. But I just, there's something in me going, there's something else you're supposed to be doing. I think, really? I'm living this comfortable, great life. I'm teaching. I love it. I love what I do. I'm finally making decent money at it because I've been at it for a while. And, and now it's this feeling of, but there's something else. And I have no clue, Zach, as to what it is. But that's kind of my state of mind right now is um, trying to figure out what that feeling is in my gut that um, there's something else. I don't want to say bigger. Oh, I, I, I bet it's bigger. I have no doubt that it's bigger. But what doesn't surprise me at all, again, even though we've only known each other for 57 minutes now, um, <laughs> I, I feel like we probably know each other a little bit better because there's a lot of similarities. I think there's a connection between I know there's something more and you saying, but I'm comfortable. Yeah. Right? There's something really scary uh, about getting comfortable. Yeah. And I am comfortable in what I do and I'm good at, you know, I'm I'm really good at it. <laughs> which seems crazy. I mean, I think most people would think, why would you go now and do something different and look at your age, look at how long you've been at this career. You love it. You're getting paid finally now well to do it. And it all seems crazy. But I think you're right. When that word comfort came out of my life, my mouth, I almost thought, ew, mm -hmm. ew. If I wanted comfort, I would watch American Ninja Warrior from my couch. I don't want comfort because you don't grow there. So, oh my gosh, that just gave me goosebumps. Oh, that's right. so, so, so here's, here's what we're going to do now. Totally oh. unplanned. Like I told you, I had no agenda. <laughs> I have something in my program that's called the hot seat where I put my students in the hot seat to work through whatever the challenge might be. And we're going to see if we can not necessarily find an answer, but get you one tiny step closer to figuring out what's the next thing for you. So what I'm curious about it, you said, you, I don't really know what it is, but let's talk about some of the voices. What is the nagging voice, whether it's the feeling in your gut or just random thoughts that you have when you know that where I am now is not where I'm supposed to be? Just random off the top of your head, throwing spaghetti against the wall. What are some of those things that are popping out? I think in teaching, especially PE, you know, I'm seeing the kids two to three times per week for 30 minutes and there is some connection there, but not the same as when you really connect with people. And it's not an appropriate place to share any of my story, nor does it ever come up. And I just feel like I'm sitting almost on this gold mine 
of experience and that I need to share how I came out the other side. And I'm pretty good at talking. And I think I could definitely probably do some training or get some guidance because I think naturally I just talk. I've gone to schools and done speaking things. And I think, gosh, I just kind of do these things and I don't have any training or background. And I just honestly go and just, you know, I really am, as I prepare, just thinking, I just want to go and make a difference. What is it that these people need to hear? What is someone sitting in that audience? How could I possibly say something that might change their life? That might be that one little moment when they're like, oh, I could do this or that or whatever it is, or, oh, now this makes sense. So I think those aha moments, I want to provide those for people. And I have this um, I can take all this crap that I've been through and like use it for good. I think how can good come from everything that I've been through? And I think sometimes people just need to see, wow, you went through this and you came out the other side because I'm struggling with this. And I can see now that you can come out the other side and actually be better and stronger mentally and physically, all of those things. So I just feel like I'm sitting on this gold mine of stories and experiences. And how do I share that? And how do I reach the most people possible? And that's what I want to do. That's what I just lights my fire. <laughs> so I think you might be a little bit closer to the answer than you think. Because you painted mm. a pretty clear picture for me. I heard the words speaking. I heard the words telling a deeper story. And I heard the word audience. Give me an example of an arena where all three of those things might come together. Well, I, th I think like on American Ninja where you get a little bit, but it's usually not in depth. But I well, think we've already talked about how you're not you don't get the personal yeah. connection, number one, because people don't yes. realize how lonely it actually is running American Ninja <laughs> Warrior. It's like you're just staying yeah. on the platform and you're waiting for a stage manager like, OK, go. Right. Like, yeah, yeah I mean, you, you've had the benefit of doing it in front of a live audience. I've only done it during COVID times. And it's just like you can hear a pin drop. And you're like, this yes. is weird. <laughs> and then you're done. And that's it. Right. But there's there's no you you don't have the ability to tell the much deeper story. And at least live, you're not getting the connection or the experience that you want. So Ninja gave you a platform for people yes, to notice it, you, but you don't want to keep doing two minute featurettes on American Ninja Warrior the rest of your career. Absolutely. So how do we get you in front of an audience where you can tell your story? Well, I the the stuff that has excited me, like I have gone to elementary schools and I've talked. And um, like one in particular, I was just like, wow, I got done with that. And I thought, I don't know how they all felt, but I felt like I hit that out of the park. Like there was connection. People were engaged. People were laughing. People were on the verge of tears. It was just like, it was, it was just an incredible experience. And it was one of those funny ones, though, as I went in, I could feel like I was way too nervous. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm good. This is going to be awful. Is going to be awful. And so I actually went before my thing because what calms me is exercise. It's been my, my go-to therapy. So I get on the treadmill and I'm running before I do this talk and it just gets me breathing and thinking. And as I'm jogging, um, I just hear this voice ask me like, Sandy, what, what's the point of this? Why, what, are, what do you want to get out of this, going to speak to these kids at this school? Because originally it started out, oh, we're going to have a few classrooms. And then a few classrooms turned into whole grade levels. And then it turned into, well, the whole school wants to go now. So it turned into what I thought was going to be like this little thing to this huge school-wide thing. So I was nervous. 
And I just remember like that voice going, Sandy, what's the point? What do you want to do here? And I just, as I'm running, I'm thinking, well, I just want to make a difference. I want to impact lives. My goal is to impact lives through this talk. That something I say will make a difference. And then, and then as I'm running, I'm like, that's my goal. Okay, that's what I want to do. And then I hear this other voice go, does it have to be perfect to be impactful? And I just, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And all of a sudden I didn't feel that nervous, just that little bit of nervous, you need to be your best. But it was like, gosh, that's so true. I don't have to be perfect to be impactful. Now get in there, go own that stage, walk in like you own it, chest out, head up and go share your story and lives will be changed and it won't be perfect. Like that, you know, that was the whole conversation. And I went in there and it wasn't perfect. It wasn't, but I think it was really impactful. And I've never had more people like reach out and go, that really changed my life. And it was a teacher or my students. We've been using your story all school year to share stories of grit and perseverance. And But it was interesting how it also impacted the teachers and the kids. And um, that one really comes to mind of that felt great. But how do I... I mean, I still got to pay the bills and my kids need to have food on the table and a roof over their head. So I, I think that's the struggle that I'm having now is that I have these responsibilities and these bills to pay and things to do. And I love teaching, so it's safe and it's comfortable and I can do that. But also this feeling of there's something more I need you to do. This is, there's so a bigger purpose that I have for you. How do I make that, that come how do I make that happen? And I think that's kind of the limo limbo I'm in right now is um, I don't want to be comfortable. And you're right. That's such a gross word to me. It's almost like a cuss word when it mm-hmm. comes out of my mouth. I'm like, Oh, safe. Yeah. Ugh, comfortable. Ugh. Well, I don't Ugh. know if you realize it, but the conversation changed over the last five minutes. You're asking a different question now than you did when we started. The question that I asked you that was a reflection of what you were asking yourself is, I don't know what I want to do. The the conversation ended with, I don't know how to do it. It seems you're way clear on what it is that you want to do, but you're getting stuck in, I don't know how to make it happen, but you're confusing it with, I don't know what it is. You painted a very vivid, clear picture of what I think this looks like. So is there more what in there or are you clear on what it is that you really want to do to make the impact? Because it wasn't like, oh, maybe I'll do this or that or the other thing. Like you basically described exactly what you want to do all day, every day. It sounds to me like if you could repeat that experience speaking to those kids and you could do that two or three days a week, something similar to it and make a living off of it, would you do it? Oh, yes, absolutely. All right, so what? Yeah. Checked, checked that, off that the list. Is, that Done. excites me. I thought, how could I... I mean, that is, I think that would be using the gifts I've been given, the stuff that I have been through and really taking it and being able to impact lives. Because ultimately that's, that's what I want to do. That's, I want to do that for people so they can have their moments. It's, you know, it's like just seeing other people chase their dreams, seeing other people even tap into their potential. I don't say full potential because I feel like none of us are even close, not even close but we can keep pursuing. So yeah, that would be, that would be quite a life and that'd be quite a change. And I'm 45. So that seems even nuttier. <laughs> that sounds like so, a limiting belief to me. Was that a limiting woo. belief? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm trying to see, I, I think what I'm, yeah, you're, you're going to call me out, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I don't call, I don't call it the lukewarm seat. There's a reason it's called the hot seat. Oh, yeah. Is your story 
any worse or less impactful because you're 45 versus 25? Absolutely not. It comes with a lot of wisdom and life experience, actually. So I'm much more impactful, actually, now than I ever would have been in my 20s or 30s. And um, how about if you waited another five years? Is your story going to suck when you're 50? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, those are very good points. <laughs> and you seem like you have a you have enough energy and it seems like you can get out of bed in the morning and, you know, swing from <laughs> one bar to the next if you need to. So it doesn't seem like energy is going to be a problem at your age. No. true so i think you know what you want to do i think Uh, where you're getting stuck is how do i make it happen because there's logistics and there's there's all kinds of things that are scary like not being able to pay the bills or if what if there's traveling involved but um i don't know you seem a lot clearer on what it is that comes next and what really drives you and what would energize you yeah that has really hit me because i think you are right i know what which is crazy and I think that's why I didn't really, I was kind of like, I don't know what it is, but um, I do know what lights my fire. And I know what my gut is like, you got to share your story. You got to share your story. Um, but I think you're right. I'm hung up on the how it seems really complicated because it I is do complicated. have responsibilities. You're <laughs> yeah. not wrong. It's not easy. But since when have you been afraid of <sighs> doing something True. that's hard? True. Well, now I have a whole lot of homework to do. <laughs> yeah, my, my podcast guests every once in a while come away with uh, come away with some homework. They don't realize that they're going to actually go through so like this whole deep experience. I warned you. I told you it's not going to be a fluff piece. So, so Sandy, what was it like hitting the buzzer on American Ninja Warrior? That, it, that seemed like it was really exciting. Were you happy? Tell us all about it. Oh, geez. <laughs> right. You've we've, oh. we've, we've all heard that and I'm sure it was exciting and exhilarating, but there's, there's a whole lot more that we can dig out of somebody's story. And that's why I knew that when I saw, saw yours and I started to dig into it deeper, I'm like, oh, there's a gold mine of good stuff here. Cause you know, the same thing, you know, there's a gold mine of experiences, both good and bad that can impact others. And you're already having a hugely positive impact on people, both with telling your story, going on shows, but also being a teacher but you just know there's something more. Yeah. It's annoying, yeah. isn't it? It is God, so it's annoying. annoying. I can't tell you because, I mean, I, I could easily just go on as I've gone on and it would be much easier. <laughs> but um, But I wouldn't feel as fulfilled. And isn't that what we really want in life is to feel like we are fulfilling what we came here to do. And I feel like I that is what... The next chapter is, is um, using the growth that I've had through American Ninja Warrior and the courage and confidence that I have now to share my story and my gift of gab. I can't read very well still. (laughs) And all of that is a struggle, but I have this ability to talk and to share and I can develop it too. I think um, there's a lot of room for growth, but I just, I, I just can't sit on these stories and not share them. And everything that I've learned from them, it just is, it seemed like such a waste. Well, I have one additional piece of homework for you. Uh, if you, if you wow. haven't done it already, Sarah, I, I didn't, uh, I should have warned you how exhausting <laughs> this was going to be. Wow. If you haven't watched it already, there's a documentary Ooh. film you, you have to see. It's called Happy. And the reason I want you to watch it is because there's a guy in there that his entire life for years was being a public speaker in middle and high schools. 
inspiring kids and do, just basically doing a lot of the things you're talking about doing. Um, he was he was a former educator that decided he basically he's he's what I call a stand up motivator, like a stand up comedian, but for motivation. But the stuff that he talks about and the way that he inspires kids, like as soon as you told your story, I'm like, these two people have to meet. Um, so I would say watch Happy. And if okay. looking at this, you're thinking, I think this might be it. Let me know. Send me an email. I'll connect you with okay. him because I know him. I love I to connect people where they can help each other. Um, I had reached out to him years ago because uh, he was helping me with my documentary film. And I haven't talked to him for a while. But the first person came to mind is you got to meet this guy. Um, so watch Happy. And if, uh, if, okay. if I'm somewhat on the right track, reach out and I'll make sure to make the connection. Um, I want to be very, very conscious of your time. You've given me more than I ever would have hoped for. <laughs> I have one last question. Uh, I've been asking the same last question of my guests for a while. I haven't done it for all of my episodes, but I think I'm on to something because it really begets some really interesting conversations. What we're going to do is we're going to jump into a time machine and we're going to travel back in time to fifth grade where you are sitting at your desk during recess and you are staring at the clock and you just hate life and just Everything is going wrong and all these bad things have happened. Why is this teacher making me do this? Knowing everything you know now about your story and where you are now and where you're going, what do you tell that girl sitting at the desk during recess staring at the clock? Mm. Ooh, that stirred up a lot of emotion. Um, I would want, ooh, geesh. I would want that little girl to know um, that, uh, She's going to get through this. Um, I would want that little girl to know that she is stronger than she will ever be able to imagine at this age. And that not only is she going to survive all that she has gone through and going through, um, but that she's going to take it and use it for good. That um, she's going to take all of it and use it to make an impact on other people's lives when she's older. <sighs> wow. You got me. Dang it. <laughs> I, I didn't intend to, uh, but I, 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 uh, I appreciate the, the honesty and the vulnerability. And um, there, there are some people that metaphorically are the girl sitting at the desk, staring at the clock, thinking this is it. Like, this is all I've gotten. It's never going to get any better. And they need to know that as long as they keep going, there's a version of themselves in the future that wants to time travel back and give them whatever advice they need, which is why I think it's such a powerful exercise. <laughs> so now I'm actually going to I'm, I'm actually going to add one on to this. We're going to is this is this lighter or am I going to cry again? <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. I'm not sure. Um, and I, I think you might be the first ninja I've made cry. I'm not sure about oh. that. I'll have, to, I'll have to think back to my other interviews, but you might be the first. Um, but now we're going to play the time travel machine again. But now a time traveler has visited you. And it's you 10 years from now. Oh, man. What is she doing and what has she accomplished? Ooh. Uh, 10 years from now, I think the thought process um, would be one of as scary as it was to leave the comfort and safety of a 22 year old job that you love. Look at how much meaning your life has now and how much impact it's making in other people's lives. That is a rippling effect 
for the people that they have in their lives and that the other people have in their lives. Look at what you did because you weren't settling for comfort, because you weren't settling for what was safe, that you took that chance. And now look at the difference you're making. I believe that's what in the industry they call a mic drop. <laughs> that was pretty, pretty, pretty good. Uh, that was pretty awesome. Um, and I love the fact that you were bold enough to not even question it. Well, I don't know. Like she might tell me that I'm not teaching or I don't know. I, I don't know what she said. Like there's none of that. Like you just went right for it. So I think, you know, you're at the precipice of this change. You feel it. Now you just got to start working on logistics. Yeah. Uh, it. I feel so excited right now. <laughs> so excited and terrified. <laughs> that's the, that's it. That's the sweet spot, right? Yep. Yeah. Gosh, I, I'm sure that so many people, I'm just laughing because there are going to be so many people that think I'm nuts. Like, why would you, after a 22 year career as a teacher, make the change now? It's funny because I see it exactly the opposite way. If you've mm. already done 22 years, why in the world would you do another 10 of the same thing? Right. That's, that's what I'm thinking if I'm, cause I know that you and I, we seem to be of similar minds. It's yeah. not, why would you leave it? It's why would you stay when you've already done it? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it was very fulfilling and I felt like I was making a difference, but there's this nudge that I've got to, to change gears. And I think I've been fighting it because again, it's, it's a huge life-changing decision and yeah. It's, uh, it seems crazy, but not crazy for me. I think you're right. I mean, it would seem crazy if I didn't pursue it and figure out how I can make that work. Um, because it has been eating at me. Like you're not able to share the deep stories. You're not able to impact the lives that you could. And I can't, I won't be able to sleep at night knowing that I'm sitting on that and not doing everything I can. So, whew. <laughs> well, I have no doubt in my mind whatsoever that just what you shared today is going to have an impact on the people that listen to it and the people that mm -hmm. see it. There's no question. So if we can just double down on that, we can do it a lot more in front of a lot more people, then you're done. Simple. Yeah. Maybe not easy, but simple. Um, yeah. So on that note, speaking of impacting others, for those that are listening or watching today that are saying, I have got to connect with Sandy and find her and learn more about her. How do they find you on the interwebs and other? Yeah, um, I have a website. Uh, it's just sandyzimmermanninja.com. And it has all my information on there. So uh, links to my Instagram. Um, I have a public Facebook page. Uh, it has my email there. So people can uh, find me there and, um, and connect. That'd be great. Um, maybe someone out there can give me some ideas on how do you, what's the how of this? What's the first step? There's got to be someone I'll watch happy. And um, I've been given a little homework and a little direction. And I think um, I'm just going to put one foot in front of the other right now and have the courage to make this happen. I've done other things that have been scary at first and it just always becomes an incredible, incredible thing. So um, I guess I'm at the beginning of this new big dream. So you get to kind of watch the first step, Zach. <laughs> I, that, and, that's, <laughs> and that is my specialty is helping people oh. figure out what is the direction and what is the first step. That's what I love to do. All so, right. Well, I feel like happy is the first step. 
Yep. So watch Happy, which you'll enjoy. I mean, it's in the title. So it's like, how can you not? (laughs) Right. Uh, But yeah, if you decide that you want to connect, you let me know and I'll do my best to make it happen. Uh, And I have a feeling that you and I might stay connected in the future because I would love to I would love to be any part of this journey uh, wherever you need the, the assistance or support. Love it. Thank you so much. Wow. Uh, well, on that note, oh. I can't thank you enough for being so open and vulnerable and honest and sharing your your story and your time and everything else. So it means the world to me and it means the world to my audience. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for investing both your time and energy listening to today's show. If you were inspired by this conversation, don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app of choice and most importantly, leave a review because that helps move the show to the top of iTunes and get our message out there to those who need it the most. Simply visit optimizeyourself.me slash subscribe to never miss another episode. Lastly, stay safe, healthy, sane, and most importantly, be well. One last thing before I lose you. If you haven't already, I want to make sure that you subscribe to my free weekly Case of the Mondays newsletter because it is where I share my best advice, strategies, and mindsets to help you design a creative career that you absolutely love showing up for every Monday morning. When you sign up, I'm even going to send you a bonus five-day email course to help you clarify and prioritize the next small steps in your unique path to success. To sign up, just visit optimizeyourself.me slash newsletter, and I will see you in your inbox.